I can understand why most people who haven't been extensively exposed to Hinduism find it hard to wrap their heads around it all. Hinduism, or perhaps more properly, the collection of spiritual traditions originating in the Indian subcontinent that today make up what is popularly known as Hinduism, is the third largest religion today. It's also the oldest religion that's still actively practiced. Hindu scriptures have references going back into prehistory, back to just after the last ice age, if the astronomical interpretations of some scholars are accurate. All of it passed down orally for generations before being written down. Compared to those faiths taking up the number one and two slots, Christianity and Islam, Hinduism is entirely different. It has no single founder nor savior. In fact, there's no saving to be done. It has plenty of wise spiritual teachers, but no prophets, per se, with a unique or exclusive channel to God. It is no single authoritative scripture. Rather, countless texts revered as sacred. It is no single figurehead or pontiff who speaks for all Hindus or Hinduism, though sometimes a teacher will try to claim this, to which most Hindus look askance. There's no Vatican, no Mecca, no one supreme seat of authority, or no one pilgrimage everyone must do. There's no one single Hindu view on just about anything, sacred or secular. The differences of belief on some philosophical subjects by different sects of Hinduism are vast, yet all are Hindu. The ways to be a good Hindu, or a practicing Hindu, are as varied as there are people. There's no one day of the week to attend temple, for example. Some Hindus are avid temple-goers, some rarely or never go. And yet others direct their spiritual aspirations into other spaces or activities. There are no universal commandments or social practices that apply to all Hindus equally. Guidelines and customs vary by community, occupation, and stage of life, as well as evolve over the ages. Nevertheless, there is enough commonality to confidently say that Hinduism exists as a unified system of teachings, practices, and traditions. If your head is spinning at this point, you're not alone. Most Americans, indeed most people in the West, don't know much about Hinduism. And what they know is largely based on stereotypes, half-informed knowledge, and colonial era biases. What this podcast is going to do, we're going to try to do at least, is clear all of this up for you. That's our starting point and the end goal. I'm Matt McDermott, and this is All About Hinduism, Episode 1. If you know nothing else about Hinduism, know this. As the episode title gets to, what should one know about Hinduism to be on solid ground when talking about it? How does Hinduism view itself? Hinduism is not just one thing. It's a religion made up of a diverse family of philosophies and traditions that have been practiced for thousands of years. These traditions all trace back to ancient India and once influenced cultures in the Mediterranean and Middle East, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, and East Asia. Some of these areas eventually became largely Buddhist. Some later became majority Muslim or Christian, and others evolved into multi-religious societies. Basically, the area of the world that was broadly Hindu in outlook was far larger in the ancient world than it is today. Today, India, Nepal, the Indian Ocean Island of Mauritius, and the Indonesian island of Bali are the only places where Hinduism is followed by the majority of people. 
However, Hinduism is a global religion, with adherents representing virtually every racial, ethnic, and national background on every continent. Thus, contrary to what some people and even some Hindus believe, you don't have to be born into Hinduism to be a Hindu. This has never been universally the case. We'll talk about this point more in future episodes. That said, it is true that the vast majority of Hindus today were born into the religion or have some familial tie to India or one of the other nations of modern South Asia, even if it is several generations back. India is seen as a spiritual homeland for all Hindus. Hinduism is universally accessible to anyone through sincere study, reason, and personal experience. Though all Hindu traditions also place great importance on learning from established spiritual teachers, gurus or swamis, and the wisdom they can share. Despite having no founder, sole authoritative scripture, or unified religious hierarchy or establishment, all Hindu lineages share two foundational concepts. The oneness of existence and pluralism. As for the oneness of existence, for most Hindus this means that all beings, from the smallest organism to the largest, animate and inanimate objects alike, are considered to be manifestations or reflections of the divine. Swami Atmarupananda of the Ramakrishna order told HAF, quote, The infinite diversity of this universe and all possible universes is rooted in a unitary spiritual reality, and everything within the universe is a unique manifestation of that one reality, known among other names as Brahman. That is, if we look deeply into anything within this universe with a mind purified by meditation, we perceive the same luminous transcendent being. The unique and universal, each thing, living or not, is a unique manifestation of that universal being, unique and universal at the same time. This paradox can be illustrated by the ocean and its waves, bubbles, foam. They are nothing but water, yet they appear distinct, or the example is given of clay. An infinite number of forms can be made of clay, but all are essentially nothing but clay. Satguru Bodhinatha Valen Swami of the Kwai Adhanam in Hawaii said this about the core teaching of oneness. The word omnipresence is defined as the state of being present everywhere at the same time. In a religious context, omnipresence is generally thought of as an attribute unique to God, where the divine is present everywhere, and man is only present in the location of his physical body. In Hindu thought, not only is God omnipresent, but he has graciously shared that attribute with us. The soul, at its core, is also omnipresent. Imagine a string of 108 japa beads. The individual beads are all separate, but inside each, there is one cord binding them together. The bead represents a person in his normal state of consciousness, feeling separate from all the others. However, if the person looks inside, into the core of the soul, he discovers the one cord that permeates all. In that state of unitary consciousness, the individual has the same perspective as does God. He permeates everyone, and is everyone. From this profoundly deep place, God, souls, and world are a divine oneness. The omnipresent, pure consciousness within an individual is also the true source of life. So, as those two quotes hopefully illustrate, Hinduism teaches we all have a shared divine source. There are differences in manifestation, but not of essence. The entire universe is to be looked upon as one family, expressed in Sanskrit as Vasudeva Kutumbakam. That said, it is generally taught that any being can attain enlightenment. For a variety of reasons we can discuss later, it's thought that within human form, it's easiest to know God, to reach enlightenment. Personally, I question this spiritually elevating of humanity over other forms of life. I wonder 
if it will hold up, if one day there's a conclusive proof of sentient life on other planets. Going back to the concept of pluralism, Hindu cultural and thought embraces the reality of diversity. Every being has varying likes and dislikes, unique personality and temperament. Every culture connects with one another in unique ways and connects with the divine differently. Hindus understand the divine manifests in different ways it is understood and worshipped in different ways. This isn't just a reference to Hinduism vis-a-vis other religious traditions, but within Hinduism itself. Hinduism has common themes, ideas, and traditions that unite it, but it also has an incredible array of diversity and sometimes very different understandings among the various Hindu streams. All of this means Hindus embrace the idea that one's path towards understanding God is not necessarily the only one. In addition to these broad foundational concepts of oneness and pluralism, the overwhelming majority of Hindu lineages share two further metaphysical concepts, Dharma and Karma. Dharma comes from a Sanskrit root that means to support or to maintain, and is described in early texts as that which brings order to the universe. One-word explanations that you often hear in English, such as law, duty, custom, or religion, get at aspects of the concept of Dharma but no one of them is accurate unto itself. Also, the thing with Dharma is the duties, ethics, and customs that are appropriate for one person are not always the same as for another person. They vary from culture to culture, place to place, and time period to time period. Because everyone is unique, with different inclinations and responsibilities, determining the right or proper action, the Dharmic action, a person should take from moment to moment is a complex and contextual thing. Karma. Here's a word that most non-Hindus have heard and probably use from time to time. But the popular idea in the West of karma being tied to how much change you leave in the tip jar at your local coffee shop, or something that rigidly determines that you'll be reborn an ant in the next life, or is just what comes around goes around, all are caricatures of the complexity of karma. Yes, karma is a type of cause and effect, but this gets played out in ways that are sometimes subtle, sometimes take a long time to manifest, and is never mechanistic, or fatalistic. Plus, this is very important to remember, it operates within a universe in which individualized souls reincarnate over and over again. Both these terms are shared with different interpretations by other Indic religions, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism. And indeed, though these are all distinct philosophical systems, there is at times overlap in concept and understandings within this family of faiths. I like to think all of these are cousins, sharing some heritage, agreeing on some things, disagreeing on others, living harmoniously together often, but also sometimes conflicting with one another. They all share, though, a common mother in India. What then ultimately makes a lineage Hindu, apart from, of course, self-identifying as such? It comes down to their view on the Vedas. Does a lineage elevate the four Vedas as sacred? If they are so upheld, then that path is ultimately under the umbrella of Hinduism. We'll go into more detail on Hindu scripture at a later point, but at this most basic level, know that Hindu scripture falls into two big buckets, Shruti and Smriti. Shruti literally means heard and refers to texts that Hindus believe contain internal insights into the nature of being. These are believed to be divinely inspired and contain the foundational truths of Hinduism. The four books making up the Vedas, as well as the Upanishads, are Shruti. These aren't taken literally by the vast majority of Hindus, or meant to be taken literally at all, as is the case with the scripture of some other religions. 
Smriting means memory, and these texts are meant to be interpreted differently over time, in light of the reader's particular circumstances. There are countless texts commonly called scripture that fall into this category, books on health, governance and warfare, aesthetics, art, and architecture. Epic poetry and popular stories of different deities meant to explain the truths contained in the Vedas. Complicating matters is that one of the most important spiritual texts for many Hindus, the Bhagavad Gita, is technically a Smriti text in terms of origin, but because of its beauty, insight, and practical usefulness, it's elevated to the highest importance. One last thing you need to know about Hinduism. Hinduism defies binaries like monotheism and polytheism. There's a widely held understanding of there being an underlying divine unity to existence. This oneness, though, is conceived and represented as different deities. All of these deities that Hindus worship are generally seen as aspects of one all-encompassing divinity, but they are all also seen as separate beings, either outright or for the purposes of worship, because concentrating on all-encompassing divinity that is both in the world, outside the world, and making up the world is a difficult and heady task. It's much easier for most people to focus their devotion on a personalized and specific form or aspect of divinity than on the immense breadth of impersonalized, all-pervading consciousness. Oh, there's one more, one more thing you should know about Hinduism, even if you know nothing else. Many Hindus don't call their religion Hinduism at all, which is something we'll delve into in the next episode. What does the word Hindu mean anyway? episode of All About Hinduism. The show is produced, written, and edited by me, Matt McDermott. All About Hinduism's academic advisor is Dr. Shireen Bala. Sean Allard is the associate producer. Suhag Shukla reviews each script, making all sorts of helpful notes and suggestions. Before you go, do me a favor, leave us a nice five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Please also subscribe or follow us so you can get all the new episodes the moment they're released. Also, can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at HinduAmerican.org slash donate. Thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm.